Hey, the immortal words of Judy Brown. Happiness is a choice. We're happy you spend some time with us on a Off the Rails Thursday. Our man Lance Taylor, the scrambling man, just texted me and said, I can come on until 1.15 or after 3. Lance, come on, man. So what, no Lance today? So if he signs on right now, we'll have him for eight minutes. Eight minutes, damn. That's what I'm saying. He's supposed to have the little time off, man. What, we got a month to prepare for these games and stuff? I mean, Lance, he has all the bowl games, too. So, yeah, his job's definitely very busy, man. So I get it. I get it. We'll do seven glorious minutes with Lance Taylor. Oh, my God. Um, Zay, we, uh, of course, we are the Sugar Bowl tailgate portion of the Texas Sports Unfiltered. We got a lot to get into, including the very remote possibility that Adonai Mitchell might be considering coming back to Texas because the receiver draft is so loaded. Huh. I'll believe it when I see it, but. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I I don't know about that one. Okay, so you got Marvin Harrison Jr. You got Malik Neighbors. You got Brian Thomas. You got Keon Coleman. Roma Dunze. That's a lot of studs. And, you know, A.D. Mitchell is seen as a. Potential first through third round guy. Depending on how he runs, how he tests, how he interviews, blah, blah, blah. Just takes one team to fall in love with you. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that basketball game last night. Zay was right. Zay said, this could get ugly. And it did. Mm. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Tough watch, man. Tough watch. They were in the game. They were fighting hard, you know, right about the last three minutes of the first half. It was around, what, 29, 28. And then Marquette goes on just a deflating 13-0 run led by Tyler Kolick, who had two big threes, a huge NBA three, with clock basically expiring. And How did my uh, man Caden Shedrick have one point and one rebound in the first half? Yeah, I don't I don't really know. He just got cardio in that game. I don't, he got injured a little bit. You know, he got a little banged up where he was grimacing and stuff. And after that, he was done. You know, him and Tyrese Hunter, it was just a cardio exercise for them getting to Milwaukee. That was what that trip was because they didn't show up whatsoever. And if those two guys who you're going to need to win some big-time games, especially when the Big 12 starts, if they don't play well, then you're going to get that result that you saw last night more often than not. Like, that was an embarrassing performance. And I told you yesterday, Tyrese Hunter, some guys like going back home, and sometimes it could be too much. It looked like too much for him, you know, especially for my – just 
Yeah, he just looked lost. Like, there was a moment, it was around 20 to 20, and he had the ball in his hands, and, like, he had it up here. Like, getting a triple threat, man. You got to be jabbing work, you know, jab step, moving that ball around. You can't just be lackadaisical with the rock. He had it up to his head, and the dude poked it out, and it led to a foul where the dude hit both free throws, and then Marquette goes on, like, a 9-0 run right there. So, yeah, Tyrese Hunter, he just was completely out of it. And, you know, this team defensively, again, Max Acemas, he keeps guys in front of him for the most part, but the teams, the fact that they overhelp so much because they know Tyrese Hunter, as good of a defender as he is, he's still small. Guys still take him down low, and it makes guys like Dylan Mitchell and Caden Shedrick and Brock Cunningham, it makes them overhelp. And when you got good playmakers like Cam Jones and Tyler Kolick, those guys are going to find people on the outside. Like Tyler Kolick did whatever he wanted yesterday. Like 28 points, he went ice cube on them. Today was a good day, messed around and had a, almost had a triple-double. Like, the dude did whatever he wanted, getting into the paint, making plays. So the fact that they overhelp on D, good playmakers can kick it out to the shooters, and they're going to knock down threes just like you saw yesterday. So, yeah, man, 14 threes, that's way too much. To Texas is four. Texas only shot 25% from the three-point line, while Marquette shot 46 and 50% from the field. You're not going to win too many games like that. So Tyler Kolek, it was interesting. He had some comments after the game talking about Shaka. And check him out. I got him on bootleg here. But, you know, you think about that team playing for their coach and understanding – that team playing for their coach and understanding how much he would want it. Like, listen to Tyler Kolick's comments after the game, talking about Shaka going up against the Horns. Um, you know, I asked him about his feelings going into the game. He's like, you know, I don't really care. Was, I coached there. A lot, of the, a lot of the other guys on staff coached there, but I don't really care, you know. And I was like, bullshit. <laughs> you know, you, I know you care. And, you know, after the game, I grabbed him. I said, this one's for you. I know how much it meant to him. You know, even though he's probably not going to say that or, or let that be out there, you know, whatever went on over there definitely left left a little sour taste in his mouth, I'm sure. Um, you know, he's never really spoke anything negative about Texas or anything like that. But I know deep down it really meant something to him, so I, I try to go out there for him. That was Kolick? That was Kolick. Yeah, yeah. Kolick was cold-blooded, man. That's, he brought me a left-handed Austin Reeves, man, who plays for the Lakers and went to Oklahoma, Hillbilly Kobe. He reminds me a lot of that. The dude is really crafty. He had a little Euro step finish for an one. He's going. He's only 6'3". Nah, he plays bigger than that. Yeah, he, he does. He bigger than that. He gets you on his hip, and when he's knocking down that outside shot, that's the team that a lot of people are going to pick to win the national championship. Now, I won't just because I know Shaka when it comes to March. Like, it's a different Shaka in March. He's going to have to prove to me that, you know, he could do something because this team, they were just as good, if not better, last year, and they lose the second round. So, you know, again, losing to Wisconsin on Saturday, I knew they were going to come in with a fire under their ass in this game with Texas. Plus, you heard Tyler Kolick. Like, they wanted to get this win for their coach, knowing that he came from Texas, and it didn't end well here at the 40 Acres for Shaka. So, yeah, just disappointing 
if you're Rodney Terry, like in Texas, you know, Coach Terry, the stuff that they did against Texas State, and I'm not comparing Texas State to Marquette by any means. Like Marquette's a team that can win the national championship. Texas State, who knows if they even make it in the tournament. But what they did defensively in that Texas State game where they played that matchup zone to where whoever cut, if it was a shooter or somebody that's a big-time player, they went with him. And if not, they just kind of switched it, kind of like zone principles, but also man principles mixed in. I thought he should have done that a little bit, especially in that second half when Marquette was really rolling because that same old just man-to-man defense that they were playing, Marquette was exploiting it with ease all night long. And... Again, like this team, sometimes you're just going to have to settle with Max Acemas, you know, getting scored on in the post, like giving up twos. If he has guys in front of him, force that guy to shoot over Max Acemas, depending on the player. If you have the fifth man on the team going at Max Acemas, I'd rather take that than the second guy on the team that's shooting 40% from the three-point line getting an open shot because Brock Cunningham wants to come over at double team at the wrong time and the rotation is slow. So there, they're going to have to figure out some things defensively because they can't do normal defensive principles just because their personnel, Tyrese Hunter and Max Acemas, they're too small. They're, they're just too small. They're going to get, they're going to go at them all the time, especially if you have great guards like Marquette does, which Houston does, Kansas. Hell, well, I need to see more guard. guys play with the defensive intensity that Kendall Weaver has. Yeah, yeah, he solidified his knife mid spotlight last night. That's because it. that dude gives me a hundred percent effort at all times, and I get waves of effort from everyone else. Like Dylan Mitchell is going to be really good if he can give it to you for forty minutes. You know, right now he kind of drifts in and out. When he wants to be good, he's really good. Um. I.T. Horton, that dude needs to get lost in his defense because he's letting his offense affect his defense. And he's a step slow. And the shooting night that he and Hunter had together, one of 13, that's a killer. And and they had Shedrick completely neutralized because of their size down low. So, yeah, that was a bad matchup for Texas, no doubt about it. You know, Dylan DeZue would have made things better um, because that guy's an inside outside player. I can't wait to see him, you know, get going, get into this team and show us what he can do. Cause he's, you know, he's more of an all court offensive threat and he can, he can D you up. I mean, this is the, he and Shedrick need to run this team. Cause yeah. I don't know what I, I don't, I, I love Tyrese Hunter, but I don't, I don't know what I'm getting from him. I don't know what I'm getting from him from night to night. And, and that's hard because he's been around. He's so talented. We know he can fill the box score. He can, he can take it to the cup. He can light it up from three. Um, he did not have it last night. In any way, shape, or form, he just looked like he was like someone told him his girlfriend just ran off or something, you know? Yeah. He just looked lost. 
Yeah, so, I, I, I want to give Tyrese Hunter the benefit of the doubt because, again, you're going back home. So yeah, yeah. Aren't good with that. Like that's, yeah, it's a bad night. It's a bad night, but, you know, he's shooting 25% from three. Like, that ain't going to cut it. As a point guard, a starting guard for a team that's supposed to have championship aspirations, that ain't going to cut it. Like, in your third year of playing college basketball, you have to be better than that. You know, like... I mean, you got to be in the lab. We're taking thousands and thousands of shots a day. And sometimes that might not even be enough because shooting against Casper, shooting against Ghost, and then shooting against a 6'8 dude with a 7-foot wingspan closing out on you, trying to block your shot are two completely different things. So I, Tyrese Hunter, yeah, and you mentioned Dylan Mitchell. He has those moments where – you're like, wow, this guy looks like a lottery pick. And then he has moments where, man, you're going to be playing in China for your whole career. It's just, bruh, you got to figure it out. Ain't no way that you can't develop just a back with your athleticism, a back to the basket game where you can just turn over your right shoulder and throw up the jump hook with your left, your dominant hand. Like, just that should be so basic. I don't get why guys don't have that in their bag. That should be so basic. Hell, I see the guards from Arquette doing that. Kolick and Cam Jones, those guys will drive in the lane. They'll get cut off, and then they'll go to a post game. And then they'll get back to their left hand on those scoop shots and stuff. They're guards doing that. So if you don't have bigs that could do that, like Cade and Shedrick, they were giving them different looks all game. Sometimes they would leave them by themselves and – Igadaro, that dude, he's just an athletic specimen. He's a problem. He's one of the best big men in the nation. So that's a bad matchup for Shedrick. And then they would double-team Shedrick at times, too. So he was all discombobulated and confused. But, yeah, Dylan Mitchell, he's just on the perimeter so much. His ball handling in the half-court game ain't there. When he, when he gets the ball, he, he's at his best when he catches it off a defensive rebound and he could push it and he's going downhill as just like a locomotive. Like, that's when he's at his best and he can make plays for guys because he's so athletic. And again, he just kind of could go side to side instead of having to, you know, weave through cone-like situations in a half-court game. And I talked Did you about- see that play that Kendall Weaver made where he just ripped the ball out of Kolick's hands and went coast-to-coast for a dunk? Yeah. I'm, yo, Kendall Weaver, he and solidified he, they, they that They were down spot. 26 at that yeah. point. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Effort yeah. is non-negotiable. Yeah. You're CC right, would be like, we're running 300s today. I'm putting the <laughs> trash cans out. Y'all are going to throw up today. Yo, that was one of those like games where right when you get off the plane, we're going straight to the gym. We're practicing. Yeah. Like that, that was one of those deed Smith type of, oh, y'all play like shit. Okay. When we get back home, don't go to your room. We're going to hit the gym. We're going to get to practice. Yeah. This is not a player led team yet. And, and everyone's like, oh, Rodney Terry sucks. No, hold on a minute. He lost five fifth year seniors. It's going to take a minute, but RT's going to have to take control of this team. He's going to have to hard-ass them and bad-cop them. And I don't know who's going to – you know, Brock will step up and lead, but this is – you know, this is a team that they got to get to know each other because right now their effort levels are 
all over the place. Yeah, last year you just had so much you could rely on. Like if Marcus Carr didn't have a good game, you knew Serge Ibari Rice would. You know, Timmy Allen was always the defensive stopper. They don't have that. It should be Dylan Mitchell, but they don't have that. Like Tyrese Hunter, he's not that defender that we thought he was going to be coming from Ames. He's just not, and it's weird. Like I thought that dude would be just elite defensively, kind of like what Davion Mitchell was when he was in Waco with Baylor before he got dropped. That guy was a monster. That dude was incredible. Now, again, he was a first-round draft pick, so that's a little different there. But like, how's he doing in the league? Uh, he they they kind of he kind of got lost in the rotation with Sacramento. Yeah, it's interesting. Mike Brown's not playing them anymore. They got that kid from Ellis from uh, Alabama. They're playing over him. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. It's just a lot of coaches kind of just try things. It's a long season. You just kind of want to see what works. But, yeah, like I I thought Tyrese Hunter was just going to give us more defensively. And the fact that Tyler Kolick had 28 yesterday, like – that's just unacceptable. And yeah, this SD talking about this team looks doughy and unathletic. Yo, SD, doughy ain't always bad. I watched Luca also break records yesterday with his doughy ass. He had like a 25 tri- point triple double in the first half. Nobody's ever done that in the history of the association. So doughy ain't always bad, but you got to add toughness and skill with that doughy. And yeah, this well, I was like, can no Brock idea. can Brock guard Kolick on the perimeter? I mean, just because of effort wise, you would think he'd do better than Tyrese Hunter, or It Horton, whoever was else. Was I would have. I was like, put Brock on him. You know what I mean? Yeah, Brock will be physical with him. Probably foul out, but he'll make it tougher. Right. Right. Yeah. And again, you look at Marquette's losses this year. They lost to Purdue, Maui Invitational. Like, Purdue has the best big man in the nation in Zach Eadie. The dude's 7'4. He's a monster. Like, Igadoro, as good as he is, just them having to help on him with all the shooters that Purdue has. That was a bad matchup for them. And then Wisconsin, Wisconsin has those big corn fed white boys that are around 6'5, 6'6. That way, like 220, that are just super skilled. They always have them for about like 30 years. Wisconsin basketball has always had those type of players that could just Hoosiers. Yeah, Hoosiers, exactly. Just shoot the piss out the ball. Those Jimmies that don't talk very much, but go out there and they don't miss any shots and they grew up on the farm. Like Texas, they don't got that, man. The guards are like, if, if Coach Terry wants to play small, then they could be too small just because Ace Smith and Hunter and Horton, like all those guys, they could get exploited based on the matchup. But then if they go big, they don't have enough playmaking right now with the Sue being out and Dylan Mitchell being limited with his ball handling and Brock Cunningham also being limited with his ball handling. So that's so much pressure on somebody like Max Ace Smith, who played really well yesterday, hit those 
three big time threes to start the game where I was like, "Uh oh, this dude might go for 40. But when they start icing him on ball screens and doubling him on ball screens and he has to get the ball out of his hands and it goes to Dylan Mitchell or Caden Shedrick or Brock Cunningham and they don't know they can't really make the next play due to, again, their lack of ball handling. That's when Texas gets in trouble. And yeah, good point on IT Horton. Like if it seems like he just sometimes he can't find a rhythm. I don't know if he is because he's coming off the bench now. You know, some guys aren't good off the bench because he hasn't been off the bench in a long time. Like at UCF. Right. And if his shot's not falling, then get to the free throw line. You know, uh, that's what I'm saying. That he's not the biggest guy. Like, he's not one of those guys that's going to take you in the post. If he takes you off the dribble, he's looking for the pull-up jumper. He is not really looking to get in the lane and, you know, make something happen with different types of floaters and stuff like that. You've seen it at times, but that's also against G5 teams. Like, when they play against these top-tier teams and they put those 6'6 athletic wingspan brothers on them, he could be limited, just like a lot of these Longhorn players. So... Well, yeah, when I looked, yeah. I looked up, they were down 20 and they'd been to the free throw line four times and they were two of four. I was like, man, if the shots aren't falling, you got to get to the free throw line. Like Caden Shedrick, you got to try and put some fouls on that big, you know, Iguodala or whatever his name is. <laughs> Iguodaro. <laughs> Iguodaro. Because they were, I got to give it to Shaka, man. That team, woo. Shaka just needed to get the hell out of Austin. Yeah. But he's still, he still ain't winning in March either. No, no. That's what I'm saying. What? I don't know. He win one game in the tournament last year? Yes. Just one. They won the Big East. Yeah. The Big East was a juggernaut last year. They beat year. UConn. They beat UConn like twice. And he's one in six in the NCAA tournament the last since 2011. Bad man, you can't. That ain't gonna cut it. But yeah. hey, man, enjoy this that Big East tournament. Like we get over the hump, though. This team that they look like they could get to the Sweet Sixteen. And make yeah, I mean, sometimes you need a player or group of players to just take over for the coach, like TJ Ford did for Barnes. Because yeah. Barnes is a guy who tightens up in March. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. when he had. You know, DJ Augustine, and he had TJ Ford, and, you know, Jacobin Brown. Jacobin Brown, wow. <laughs> Love me some Jacobin Brown, baby. So Jacobin Brown was like, oh, yeah, Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Why don't y'all have some? That dude, man, he took so many bad shots, but that team was limited, so he had to take them. They were good shots for him. He was like a right-handed James Harden with the fat suit. He was husky. He was slow, but he was crafty, boy. <laughs> he and was crafty. fearless. Oh, man, I remember seeing them in high school. He would fight. He would get in the brawls, get in the folks' faces and stuff. I was like, this dude was a Port Arthur boy if I ain't never seen one before. And that dude, yeah, he was, he was fearless, man. He was fearless. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, Chris Bennett's mentioning P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker carried Barnes. P.J. Tucker, think about that team. What, no six? LaMarcus Aldridge, they're playing LSU to go to the Final Four. 
And LaMarcus Aldridge, God bless him, I'll never forget. He was crying in the locker room afterwards. He was 2 of 14 in that game against Glenn Big Baby Davis. Big Baby, that lockup. Tyrus Thomas. Oh, Tyrus Thomas. Tyrus Thomas was so athletic. Oh, Ain't no way LaMarcus getting anything off clean. Ain't no way. That's a bad matchup for LaMarcus. Even though LaMarcus had the better career in the NBA and stuff, Tyrus Thomas was one of the most athletic big men of that era. It was insane. I sat courtside for that game. Tyrus Thomas was like extender man. I mean, (laughs) he's out there blocking threes and then going down and swatting dunks. And he was a monster. Yeah, that LSU team was so long. Big Baby was so quick, too. Yeah, and and just so thick you know he yeah, just, he's so physical he catching the reverse pivot and jab step and spin move and give that little bump and you go flying and, you back you down you're like uh, i'm not giving any ground i'm not giving any ground dunk <laughs> oh hell how do you do that because his ass is the size of two states that team yeah that's a, well, and that then he jumped up on the game. scores table right in front of me after the game did he really put on a feather boa I mean, they were going to the table didn't break, did it? Oh. You put a dent in it? Everything was shaking. Yeah. (laughs) Everything was shaking. Then we went into the locker room, and LaMarcus was, like, behind the whiteboard. I mean, he just bawling. I was like, oh, this is going to be awful. Baby's a felon now. Oh, he is? I think so. I think he, yeah, Big Baby faces up to... Seven years in prison, but this was in 2018, so I don't know. What the hell was he doing? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. Good heavens. <laughs> yeah. I want to say he was a part of this scam situation with the NBA. Oh, insurance fraud. Yeah, that's, yeah, some type of fraud, yeah. Oh, he was getting into the white-collar crime. <laughs> about that yeah they he submitted fictitious dental and medical claims to the nba players health and uh health and benefit welfare plan damn plan he's faking medical claims oh boy well yeah bad night regroup run Run some uh, gassers, throw up a little bit. Rodney, you got to get these guys to give you max effort because this is where everyone's going to be like, oh, Chris Beard created the culture for that team last year. Rodney Terry benefited from it. Okay, so Rodney's building his own culture now. Effort is non-negotiable. I mean, He's going to, and he said this last year, if I'm going to give you freedom on offense, you got to give it to me on defense. And they didn't, not last night. So I'll be watching that as we move forward to see. Because look, Acemus may be six feet, Hunter may be six one. That means you got to play even harder on defense. You got to, you got to get down in that crouch and, you know, make it tough. That, that, you know, and Dylan Mitchell can do it. Like he get, he gave you eight rebounds last night, two blocks, a steal. I mean, he he can absolutely do it. So do it. 
Like fill it up every night. You said you want to be the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. You got to you got to study more film. You got to know where you're going because you've got all the talent in the world to be a guy who just disrupts everything. And he's not too often. He looks like he's not sure where he's going and what he's doing. And yeah, and that, that's what I'm saying. Like the freedom on the offense thing, like that sounds fun. But if you don't got guys that can create that freedom, don't mean nothing. Maybe you got to start, you know, dialing it back a little bit, letting these guys know, Hey, we got to start putting y'all in situations to be successful. Y'all could get easy jumpers. And for Dylan Mitchell specifically, like, that's what I'm saying. Get him in the post to where he could throw a jump hook. Nobody's going to block it especially the person that's going to be guarding him. Like if they start Brock Cunningham and Caden Shedrick, then he's going to get a smaller guy on him. So get on the block, drop step move, or go to the right shoulder, throw up a jump hook where you're five feet, seven feet away from the basket. And that could be consistent for you. Like that should be six points right there, just in the post. He's on the perimeter way too much. For yeah. him. Ball, his ball handling isn't that good for him. No, to be on the perimeter. I don't ever want to see him dribble ever. No. <laughs> ever. Damn. Like as soon as the ball hits his hands, you need to like work a give and go immediately. Yeah. Or at least have him like curling off to the right side where he could get to his left hand and he could attack the basket. Right. But the fact right. that he doesn't have a, a move or a counter move no. from six to eight feet on the baseline or. Yeah, like a little push shot, a little floater. Like you gotta have that at that size. Like you you yeah. have to have that. It's a must, man. He had an amazing weak side block last night where he just came flying from across the lane and rejected a, a ball into the third row. I mean yep. I was on Ace Miss. They shot it over Ace Miss and he came and helped. Yeah. So Marquette was like, okay, they're helping like that. Then once we start driving, we're going to play off two feet, come to that jump stop, and then they'll commit. We throw it outside, three ball. That's why they hit, what, 14 of them? <laughs> like, that's, you got to, yeah, don't overhelp. Do not overhelp. All right, well, you, um, okay, Lance is going to join us tomorrow, probably right at the start of the show. Ooh. Um, let's get back to Adnan Mitchell and if this makes any sense at all for him as a guy who, I mean, I told you, I had a source tell me he wants to catch 50 balls and 10 touchdowns and then see ya. So I'm not, this is a, I'll believe it when I see it. And this was, you know, from a source who, you know, talks to the players. So um, I don't know if this was like someone saying, hey, man, have you looked at the receivers who are going to be in this draft class? Because AD is the kind of guy who could come back next year, be the featured guy and be a surefire first round pick. He might be a first round pick right now if he tests well, but he only has one drop on the season. That's that's big time. And look at some of the catches he's had to make. You know, he's, you know, third and 12. It's kind of a back shoulder, 35 yards down the field. And those deep balls against Alabama. And so I love the guy's game. I'd take him ahead of 
worthy, but, you know, worthy, his speed and his fearlessness, you know, he's going to, well, his fearlessness is getting better. I'll say that because there were times where he would not track the ball when he had a defensive or defender right on his hip. And it was like, you're just going to let him talk you out of going and tracking the ball. Talk you out of <laughs> like, go get it, man. Go fight for that ball. Get you a PI. That, that bothered me a lot last year, but he's done a lot better this year. And Quinn's put the ball where he can catch it and, and, you know, make yards after catch. So, um, I'm I'm like, huh? Because at worst, because depending on what, there's a lot of quarterbacks too. That's the other thing, Zay. When there's a lot of quarterbacks, everything else gets pushed down, and inevitably there's a position group, like an entire position group, which can be receiver, that drops because everyone who wants a quarterback is trying to get up to get the quarterback that pushes everyone else down. And if it's, you got great, you know, I haven't looked at the draft to see if there are great defensive tackles or edge defenders, but I know there's a ton of talented quarterbacks and a ton of talented receivers. So um, a guy like JT Sanders, I mean, it's like Brock Bowers and JT Sanders, like for him, even though he's not a polished run blocker, he is very much a down-the-field guy who's going to have to be, you know, coached up when it comes to being a physical blocker. He's got so much upside that you're going to take him in the second round or, you know, at latest third round. And if you really need a tight end, you're going to take Brock Bowers and then you're going to take JT Sanders. In some ways, he's better off than A.D. Mitchell even though A.D. Mitchell may end up going to the league and catching 10 touchdowns a year. Because I yeah. think he has that kind of want to. So I think, I think you know, we'll probably know uh, in the next week what's going on because um, the team will come back for practices on the 15th. So it's interesting times right now. Yeah, when I look at Adonai Mitchell and I think about an NFL comparison, I look at the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. You know, somebody at that size that's just so smooth in his routes and in his releases, you just don't see that very often. And Adonai right now, if you look at most mock drafts, they have him at the end of the first round or early second round. I even see one mock draft that has him at 19. So, you know, he's made a name for himself this season. That's why it would be weird, even though the wide receiver class is big time, for him to come back in 2024. Now, I well, love it. Yeah, the other thing is the the guys ahead of him are all his size. Like Marvin Harrison Jr., 6'4", yeah. 205. Uh, Brian Thomas at LSU, 6'4", 205. Roma Dunze, 6'3", 201. Keon Coleman, 6'4", 215. Um, Xavier Leggett, 6'3", 227. Those are all guys built like AD. And look, the league likes big receivers who can, you know, separate at the top of the route. 
but that's a lot of dudes who caught a lot of balls. Like they're all over a thousand yards. They're all, you know, I mean, look, AD's got 10 touchdown catches for a Steve Sarkeesian offense. That's going to move him ahead of a lot of people because the NFL loves Steve Sarkeesian offensive players. Yeah. Carson Palmer, you know, look, the guys get drafted. I don't know if they make it in the league, Henry Ruggs, but I mean, they get drafted. <laughs> Hold up. Hold up. Henry Ruggs, baby. I don't count. Henry Ruggs was out there on this fast and furious shit. Like that, you can't count him. He might have made it if he didn't, you know. No, but I'm saying Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, they're all productive players in the league. Yeah. And they all were coached by Sarkeesian at Alabama. And or they played in his offense. And Look, Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell are going to get the benefit of the doubt until they go to the league and wash out. Like, you know how this works. If I go to the same place and I keep finding talent, I'm going to keep going back. And the NFL found a buku of talent in the 2020 and 2021 draft. Najee Harris. I mean... Four receivers in the first round, Mac Jones in the first round, Tua. Like, and those guys were all coached by Sarkeesian. Now he goes off to Texas. His quarterback room is Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. He's got A.D. Mitchell leaving a two-time national champion to come play in his offense because he thought he could catch 50 balls and 10 touchdowns. And, oh, he's got 51 catches and 10 touchdowns. Like, that's you know, that that that's a beautiful thing for Texas fans because they haven't seen offensive players go in the anywhere close to the first round in years. Vince Young. Damn. Vince Young yeah. was the last in 06, the last first round offensive player until wow. Bijan. So that's embarrassing. And no offensive lineman drafted from 08 to 2016 drafted in seven rounds. Mm. That's embarrassing. You want to know why Mac Brown only won two conference championships? That's why. Cause he had a quarterback who made it unf upable in Vince young, whether anyone blocked or not, that dude was just going <laughs> to, as my mom would say, run like a gazelle straight through the defense. And, and you know, Max like, well, you know, that was great. We won a national championship. Uh, you had a, like, multi-generational player right there. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I love watching those documentaries with Matt Leinart and Lendo White where they're like, Oh shit, man. As soon as Texas got the ball back, we knew we were cooked. Like Lendo White was like, we're gonna lose. <laughs> like as soon as they didn't make it, Lendo White was like, we're going down. Oh, big head old Lendo White. His head was gigantic. Still is gigantic, excuse me. Yeah, have that dude lowered his shoulder on you, man. That dude was a force to be reckoned with, but 
Yeah, man, you're right. It's been embarrassing, the lack of draft picks in the first round throughout all these years. And you think about the O-line, it seems like Kelvin Banks is going to change that, you know. Talk about him having a just kind of a sophomore slump if you compare it to the terrific season he had as a freshman. Like, that's hard to top. Like, Kelvin Banks wasn't bad. He just dealt with some injury this year. And, again, he wasn't good as his freshman year, which kind of surprised and took everybody by shock and everybody by storm. But, hey, Kelvin Banks, he's getting back to that form. You saw that block that he had in the Big 12 championship on that C.J. Baxter run. I mean, hey, you saw Jeff Saturday going crazy about it on his little pancake special on the four-letter network. Like, that, that's special. That's why Kelvin Banks is different for his – ability to be that athletic and pull like that and make those pancake-like blocks so the running game could be effective. But yeah, again, you know, you think about Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell and their chance to possibly go in the first round. It's going to be interesting how it plays out. Like, this draft, it's thick, man. And offensively, it's really thick. So yeah. quarterback and wide receiver, as you said, and it's going to be interesting how things play out. But Hey, I'm looking at the Chiefs right now. They need a wide receiver. Like Patrick Mahomes would probably love to have an Xavier Worthy or love to have an Adonai Mitchell to make those type of plays because now everybody's looking at Kansas City and then they look down at what Tua's doing with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill in MVP conversations, maybe going over 2,000 yards this season. And Kansas City's over there like, damn, should we have paid them that money? Even though we won a championship without them, like – is this going to last? You don't and like Rasheed Rice? I do like Rasheed Rice. He's on my fantasy team, but he has his moments. He has his moments to where he's just not that speed. You're playing him. I am playing him. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. I'm playing him. Just because that's it, really. I mean, there's only so much Travis Kelsey could do. Like, Travis Kelsey's getting up there in years. He's still best tight end in the NFL. But after that, Sky Moore, eh. Kadarius Tony, eh. Marquez Valdez Scanley, that dude drops passes in big time games. So, so does Tony. Tony yeah, drops. Exactly. Both of those he's, guys have He's the reason the Lions season. beat him in week one. Exactly. Yeah. Double D, you're right. X would be huge in Kansas City. That'd be a steal. I, I know Andy Reid's looking at that like, yo, this guy, because that's what Kadarius Tony's supposed to be. And X is proven, even though he's had his fair share of drops throughout his, you know, Texas tenure, he's proven this year he could be reliable and he's willing to lower his shoulder and stuff. Yo, I don't think we've talked about that enough. Him lowering his shoulder on that dude where he stepped out of bounds on that almost touchdown. Again, he stepped out of bounds, but he lowered the shoulder delivering the boom at 175. You're not supposed to be able to do shit like that. Like, that's a different type of motor and intensity. And he's so damn fast, he can initiate contact like that and look like a more powerful guy, which he is. He's, he's way more stronger than people give him credit for. And the NFL, I know they're going to love that because that's a dude that you want on your squad. You think about these wide receivers being prima donnas and stuff, trying to save their bodies and go out of bounds. No, Xavier Worthy's trying to get every extra yard that he can when the ball is in his hands on yards after catch type plays. So, yeah, any team would love to have that, especially with that speed. He's going to be a steal in the draft. Well, this kid, Will Shepard, that people are looking at out of Vanderbilt, 
wide receiver nine drops this year. I'm looking at the drops because uh, Texas is also looking at um, that kid out of South Carolina. Juice Wells, baby. Juice Wells, What a baby. dope name. What a dope name. And I'm looking to see where my man Juice is. Malik Neighbors, five drops. Xavier Worthy, five drops. And uh, this is good. This is good. Juice Wells, I'm still going. A.D. Mitchell, one drop. It's crazy. Come on, man. That's what it's all about. Jalen Polk. Okay, he only had four drops. Um. Okay. Yeah. Let me see if I can find Juice Wells. But I think this is going to be, I think it's going to be a little bit. Um, and you never know what kind of passes were thrown on those drops, man. Like sometimes if I'm going across on a slant and you throw it behind me, but I get my hands on it and I have to twerk my body around. Like, are we really counting those? Uh, or the ones that, you know, a dude has to, jump like Vince Carter just to even attempt to catch it and it kind of goes through their heads like that's that's tough you gotta see the drops man like you don't obviously want those easy you know right in your hands right in the bed basket ones but you gotta give some of these receivers the benefit of the doubt because it definitely matters who's throwing the ball and how that ball looks not everybody has that beautiful Michael Penix Quinn Ewer spiral when it's traveling through the air you know what I'm talking about yeah uh, Juice Wells only played in three games he had one drop yeah, he ain't so, um, Quinn Ewers, I wrote about this in the insider this morning. Like that guy doesn't, you know, show much emotion. He doesn't show you much. But I had people close to him say that this Big 12 championship meant everything to him. And that that was hugely important to him that in coming to Texas, he wanted to put a year up in the stadium and get in that conversation with Vince Young and Colt McCoy. Because that's, you know, he looked at it as that's what the great ones do. So I want to bring a Big 12 championship to Texas. And even though he hasn't really, you know, he said, I have goosebumps about it. And then he just kind of finishes up that I think that's cool. I, he's a, he's like, uh, he's like a duck. You know, you see what's on on the surface, but underneath there's a lot going on, and he doesn't show you much. But I think there's a lot going on with that guy, and I just like his competitive. I like the dog in him. You know, he had that bad interception, led to a touchdown for Oklahoma State. Comes right back. Throws for 450. So, you know, he had the three turnovers against OU. Ended up completing 19 straight passes and 26 of 28 to finish the game. I just like that that guy has some moxie, some dog in him that 
he's not going to be the reason. And this is what struck me the most about that Oklahoma State game. He had never been part of the problems, eh? He was always part of the solution. At South Lake Carroll, he comes back from double hernia, leads his team to the state championship. They were the 21st ranked team. They weren't supposed to get there. They got there because that dude willed them there. Then he comes to Texas and he's completing 58% of his passes, throwing three interceptions in the Oak State game. And he apologized to the fans in the spring. I want to apologize to the fans for my season last year. Talk about self-aware. Talk about a dude willing to put it out there. I like that. I like that. That tells me that dude's going to take some bullets. So I'm going to make sure that I'm right there with him. Yeah. And I think this team plays for him, you know? Yeah. And, you know, he's, he does a great job at being relatable because you hear these stories about some of these quarterbacks that could be really disconnected from the team just because what comes with being a big time quarterback, especially at a school like the University of Texas, your responsibilities are different from your peers. Even if you don't want them to be like, you're the quarterback, you get a lot of shine here. I mean, you mentioned the two guys that Quinn wants to be in the same, you know, room with when it comes to Colt McCoy and Vince Young, both guys won big 12 championships. So that like in itself could be a lot of pressure, but Quinn yours, you see him, you know, dancing with the fellas, making TikTok videos with the fellas, rapping with the guys. Like, he's very relatable in the locker room as a teammate. And then you talk about just off the field, how he carries himself, how he looks at life at 20 years old, knowing that, man, that 2022 season kind of took it for granted. You know, like just all the adversity that comes with being a quarterback. Like, he's always been a top-tier, five-star type player. So, in a way, even though he worked hard to get there, there's certain things that have came easy for him that aren't easy for other guys, like his release, his ability to throw off his back leg, not, you know, having all the mechanics completely intact, especially at the high school level. And then you fast forward to college and you saw you can't get away with those same things that you did in high school where you were successful at. And I think he finally understood that. Like that Oklahoma State game where you have 30 incompletions, you're out here getting hurt by, you know, players against Alabama and stuff like that. You have to wait your turn. You're having bad games. Start start to change the offense. It starts focusing on Bijan and Roshan a lot more, and you have to adapt to that. Like a lot that lot, he saw a ton in 2022. So yeah. again, one of my favorite moments, and I'm with you. Like I'm riding with Quinn Ewers. Like he's shown me a lot of maturity, and it started with him just cutting the mullet. You know, and losing all the weight and stuff. People want to say, "Oh, him cutting the mullet? That's not a big deal." Damn that! Yes, it was. Yes, it was. That's why they always talk about people that are going out in the real world and stuff. You got to present yourself a certain way. Quinn, you just kind of had this, you know, laid back surfer, too cool for school, like a California boy, even though he's a Dallas kid. Look about him before with the mullet and stuff. And now he's as buttoned up as he's ever been with the fresh cut and again, the lost weight and just how calm he is on the field, knowing that, okay, if he makes a mistake, that doesn't define him. 
next drive, next play, you know, got to get that back. And well, and that's what I liked about him losing the weight because no one told him to do that. Right. He, he saw where quarterbacks were running and making some extra yards, extending drives. And he was like, I can get into better shape and I can do that. And he did that on his own. Like Sark didn't say, Hey, you know, we need you to run around a little bit pickups. Sark doesn't want his quarterbacks running at all. Like if it's not a absolutely specific designed run, which again is rare for Sark. I think he had a called run for Quinn on a touchdown run, you know, earlier this season, but a bunch of those were kind of broken plays. He had like that against, uh, bootleg for him against Kansas on the goal. Yeah. Line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. now, now people know he can do it. There's a run pass option available, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I just, I, I like that he took that on himself and was like, I can run, I can help, I can do more things, even though no one told me to do it. So I just like that. I mean, that, that guy's really competitive and he really wants to win. He really wants to make history. It's not going to look like it matters as much to him as it does because he's just kind of Quinn. You know, he's just going to kind of say the bare minimum and move on. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. You, everybody, when you look at the standard for each sport at each position, the standard for quarterback, Tom Brady. You look at Tom, you look at the intensity, you look before the game where he's, you know, balling his fist and yelling, let's effing go and this and that. He's cursing out Josh McDaniel on the sideline. Like, we all know Tom's the best, so everybody thinks that's how it should be done. Same thing with Michael Jordan. Like, that's why people hate LeBron so much, because Jordan is the standard and LeBron does it a different way. Like, you can do it a different way and still get it done. It doesn't always have to be the standard. The standard could be modified a little bit to get it done. So Quinn Ewers, him having just kind of a laid-back attitude, him not being the hooping, hollering guy that's going to cuss you out or grab you by the face mask or headbutt you like Tim Tebow used to do back in his Florida days, that's okay. But he's more vocal than he used to be. You see him on the sideline and after games, especially after the Alabama game, that's the most enthusiasm I've ever seen Quinn Ewers. After yeah, when he's yelling, the, it's time. It's time. It's time. Yeah, he had the chain on and stuff. Like, that was – and he was like that at the Big 12 championship game where you saw him up there holding the championship belt next to the dead man, the undertaker. So, you know, again, you could do it your own way and get it done. But, you know, when whenever you fail and stuff, everybody looks at you like sometimes it's fine to fail. Like, you got to fail to uh, understand how to succeed just is what it is, you know? So, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian's a walking life lesson in that. For real. <laughs> for real. So you learn, you get better, and you become a leader just kind of at your own time. And we're seeing that with Quinn Ewers, and that's what you want at the quarterback position. Yeah, there's no doubt. And Sark has usually a sixth sense about the quarterback position that first year I thought what's he doing but he had to send smoke signals to Quinn I ain't got a guy so he you know that Kansas game 
we're going to play both quarterbacks because we need to see what we have. That cost him the game because that was a game where Casey was money, threw for five touchdowns, and Hudson didn't have it. And by farting around playing both quarterbacks, they went and got beat. But that's part of the process. Like, in the short term, you're sitting there going, what are you doing? You're flipping around with the quarterbacks against Kansas. You're going to lose. But that was the smoke signal to Quinn at Ohio State. I don't have a guy. Yeah. So it's yours if you're ready to come work and grind and be our guy. Yeah. And and that's all part of it. Um, Chip, I remember Oklahoma State, everybody wanted Quinn Ewers pulled. Mid-game, yeah. last year, 2022, everybody was killing Sark, saying, how could you leave right. this guy in the game? And, again, I had a part of me saying that, too, but I was also on that, like, Sark, it's your job to put him in these situations to be successful. Sark, you're not doing that. So, yeah, let him figure out some things, too, and let him learn from these moments. If you can't say that wasn't a learning moment for Quinn Ewers, at this point of his career to where Texas is almost playing for a football championship. I don't know what it is like those moments help mold you as a player. Cause you don't want that to ever happen again. Right. <laughs> That's why Quinn Ewers apologized. He's out here like, yo, that Oklahoma state game was bad. That was the worst game I've ever played in my life. So Sark again, he should have been better. I don't know if pulling him was the right move, but again, Letting Quinn Ewers know, hey, man, Xavier Wordy ain't it all the time. Like Casey Kane, which we got to talk about. He entered the transfer portal. But look at him underneath. Jordan Winston underneath. JT Sanders underneath. Those those options were never there. Now Quinn Ewers is going through his progressions. He's looking at one side of the field, throwing it to the other, making sure those linebackers, even though he still gets caught doing this at times, but getting those linebackers to go sideline to sideline because they're not reading his eyes as easily. Like Quinn Ewers has shown so much growth and it's because of those bad moments that he's suffering in 2022. Like that's what happens when you fail like that. You don't want to do it again. So you get in the lab and you do whatever it takes, whether it's losing weight, watching more film, working on your mechanics with your arm on the field. Like you do those things. So it wouldn't happen again. And it's not happening like it did before, and that's why the horns are in the position that they're in now. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it, Casey Kane, um, expected to an- enter the transfer portal. This is the trivia question, Zay. Who was the only 100-yard receiver in the Alamo Bowl last year? <laughs> in, a, in a game with Xavier Worthy, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan. Who was the only 100-yard receiver in the Alamo Bowl last year? Casey Kane. Casey Kane. Damn. Casey Kane. Yeah, I, I mean, that's tough. You know, I mean, him entering the transfer portal, I can't be too mad at it because 2022, you're getting a ton of reps. You know, that Iowa State game, he had a huge drop that would have led to a touchdown. And it seemed like the coaching staff gave up on him at that point. And the next time you really saw him was in that Alamo Bowl game to finish off the season. And 
fast forward to this year, 2023, Adonai Mitchell comes to town. You know, Xavier Worthy's still here. Jordan Witherton stays, comes back. He probably didn't expect that. He's probably thinking, oh, Jay Witt, you know, he's gone. So I ain't got to worry about him, even though, you know, they play. Well, and everyone stayed healthy. Yeah, everyone stayed healthy. So, you know, Sark, there's no rotation. There might be a rotation on the secondary safety. with guys, safety, but wide receivers, nah. Jonathan Cook, he was the next man. And he shit, you and I can get into the rotation at safety. <laughs> hey, can I get in? Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Get in there. Yeah, yeah for real, man. But yeah, I mean. Hope wish him the best, but he was in a tough situation this year. When you get all that playing time in 2022 and then you get none the next year, like the next year, you're expecting to get more. You're expected to get more opportunities and like, oh, man, they should have faith in me this year. I've gotten better. And then it's been the opposite. Like your minutes completely decrease. So that could be hard on a player. And even though the wide receiver room is going to open up most likely in 2024, you still think about, you know, Jontae Cook and Ryan Wingo coming in. Well, I heard that they're trying to keep Isaiah Nair in the from leaving. I mean, they're they're putting a little bit of a, you know, hey, door's going to open for you if as long as Adonai Mitchell goes pro. Um, But yeah, I mean, I so I'm like, Okay. So does that mean they sort of threw their blessing on Nayer and not Casey Kane? Yeah. Because we didn't see either of those boys this year. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Nayer, we know how much hype he had coming out of Wyoming. Well, he caught 12 touchdowns in Wyoming. Right. But and then like he tore his ACL and that's a big deal, man. I know Modern oh, Medicine, especially in fall camp. camp. Yeah, because then yeah. you're screwed. Right. You miss fall and spring. You got to start over when it's the worst in the summer. Yeah. And get it together and be lights out for fall camp. Don't you better trust that knee. You better go all out. So what what was Adonai Mitchell's injuries? Before he, uh, he had an ankle and a collarbone. Okay, yeah, that's not as bad. So, yeah, if you're Isaiah Nayor, who knows how long it's taken him. Physically, he might be able, but mentally, like you said, does he trust that knee enough to have good enough releases and make those hard cuts and come back to the ball and be athletic for 50-50 balls to really go get it. Like, does he have that ability or has he lost a step or two? You know, because again, doing that at Washington and doing that at Texas where you're now going to the SEC against those type of corners and safeties, huge difference, huge difference. So it sounds good. It sounds sexy on paper, but... Well, you know, that's hard to ask a guy to come back from an ACL injury and for him to just be 100% physically and mentally. Well, it took Troy O'Meary two years. Now he's at Arizona State. I saw him playing. I don't think he had great numbers, but at least he's on the field playing because his first knee surgery didn't go so great, and he didn't trust it, and then he messed it up again 
in fall camp the next year. And boom, there goes two years in a row for him. Yeah. I mean, like, the worst possible time to get hurt is in fall camp. Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the greatest talents we've ever seen at wide receiver. And he's lost like three steps due to all of the ACL injuries that he's had in his recent few years, you know? And again, like he's still able to do stuff because like he's one of the best talents we've ever seen. Like his ability, you could still put him somewhere and he could still be somewhat productive in the NFL, especially on that Baltimore Ravens squad. So we're asking guys that aren't even close to Odell Beckham's ability to get out there and see what they could do. That's tough, man. That, that really is. I feel for Isaiah Nayor. Like, I hope he stays. I hope they give him a shot. I hope he could see what Adonai Mitchell did this year and say, okay, I I could be patient for that. I, I, I'm I good. It, it was tough. It's always tough watching, like, especially for a young guy. You got camp behind you at home talking about your, you know, Uncle Larry over here like, man, can't fold, y'all. Come on, boy. Why ain't you playing? Your coach don't know shit. Your you need to go to SMU. That's, what, <laughs> yeah, That's where all the great receivers SMU. go. Cortland Sutton, Rasheed Rice. Yeah, and get that bag, baby. Like, there's always somebody chirping in your ear that doesn't have your best interest like you think they do. So that's there's a lot for these, you know, 18 to 23-year-olds to deal with when they're trying to make these decisions at the end of the season. And I bet yeah, Casey okay. Kane gets a good landing spot because, oh, like yeah. I said, receivers in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, he put up 100 yards in a bowl game against Washington. He's got tape. I mean, yes, he dropped some balls that fans still remember. Um, but he, you know, he's got some tape and he's probably got Sark's blessing because I know he's been a good energy guy. He's been a good team guy. You know, he's been working his butt off and trying to be, you know, standing right next to the coach. Hey, you know, I'm right here. Yeah. But uh I, I bet he gets I bet he gets a good shot somewhere. And good for him. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, I know, well, and I wrote this last night, Texas is they've zeroed in on a defensive tackle, an edge, and a wide receiver. Now I don't I wasn't told the names because I don't think they want bidding wars or anything like that. They're just trying to get the deal done. And they could be done, or at least one of them, as early as next week. But defensive tackle, we knew that was a priority going in. You're losing Tavondre Sweat. You could be losing Byron Murphy. And we're still waiting to see what Alfred Collins and Trill Carter are going to do. Um, edge, God, it seems like Texas is always looking for an edge. And and Zay, after the after the Big 12 title game, I was talking to Baron Sorrell, and I said, are you trying to talk Alfred into staying? And I think he thought, I said, is Alfred trying to talk you into staying? And he's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. And I'm like, uh-oh. Barry, Barry, what's going on? I need on? you. We need you. We know you listen. You're part of that killer Run defense. Nah, Barry, said, I need a new watch. Barry said, I need a new watch. 
I could use some things. Yeah, son, go ahead and enter in that draft, baby. Hey, I can't, I can't knock nobody for chasing that bag. I can't do it. I can't knock you. Go chase that money. If you need that money, go get it. Everybody wants that dollar dollar bill, y'all. So I can't knock it one bit, but yeah, Baron Sorrell. Ah man. I would like for 88 to come back. I think it'd be good for him and the horns. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, once you get to this point, everybody's like, oh, every scouts are gonna be watching these games. So that's in your mind. If you have these NFL aspirations, which as Bucky Gobble, he'll let you know him and BK, every player thinks they do. Even the fifth string guy on the bench thinks they have NFL potential. That's just how these guys think. You got to have that alpha male type confidence. Hey, you put out good film out there. That's what I'm saying. If you're Terrence Brooks, Malik Muhammad, if you have a good showing, Against Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk and Roma Dunze. Oh my gosh. Especially at this age point of your career, being this young. Yo, you'll be on every there. scout's notebook going to a college game. Okay, I gotta, I gotta I gotta make sure I look for number eight. Yep. Because yep. I saw him lock up Roma Dunze. <laughs> and this dude could be soaring up our our draft board. That's all you need. That's all you need is a couple of games. Yeah, don't be afraid to be successful. Don't be afraid to be a monster. Don't be afraid to cash in. Bet on yourself. Prepare, prepare, prepare. That's why if I'm Jalen Catalan, it's like, bruh, what, what's, what are we, what's going through our minds here? Like things must be really down bad for you. If you're not having this like, oh, I might be able to make a make a play in this game with a team that's like you wanted this playing time, here it is. Derek Williams isn't playing the first half. You're playing against the best passing offense in the nation. You're going to get opportunities. So for a guy that all these scouts, when they look at Jalen Catalan, whenever he enters the draft, they're going to look at his injury background, which is very troublesome. But for guys to overlook that, you want to show as much positive film as possible. And obviously in the CFP, that's the most positive opportunity when it comes to putting film out that you're going to get. So why would you say, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want those. I don't want that opportunity. The team's not worth it. It's, it's just not. Texas isn't worth it. Sark isn't worth it. I'm no, I'm I'm over. I'm above the team in this sense. And again, like I said yesterday, I understand you got to look out for yourself at some point. But this is also a team sport too. So for him to just throw that out the window completely and look at the grass is greener on the other side type of mindset, God, that just. That bothers me, man. That really does. It bothers me too. And it makes again, I'm I'm just saying, how do you get that detached? That's on the coach to some degree to, you know, hey, I know you're down. I know you're frustrated. I know you're working your way back. I believe in you. Give me a little bit more. I'm gonna give you these reps, you know? Like, there's a way to stay connected. 
Yeah. And what? and I know Sark was excited about Jalen Catalan and all the leadership and everything that he was bringing. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, yeah, how do you get that detached? Then I, I could get as a coach, like, we just won the Big 12. So what are you what are you detached from any? Like, why aren't you hyped for your teammates? Why aren't you right. hyped for Michael Taft and getting these interceptions and Derek Williams? Like, that should be your little bro. If you're Jalen Catalan, that should be your little bro that you give game to because if he's successful, that means the team's successful. If Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford, if all these guys are making plays and you have something to do with it because you have been a big-time player at one point in your career, being at Arkansas and being first-team all SEC, why can't you give that game to those guys? You know, that's where you talk about detachment. If you're a coach, it's like, dude, we're winning. Like you're hating when we're winning, that's that's toxic. That's yeah, why but, I want them back. Right. But if if you're Jalen Catalan and you've been a player and you've been injured, and then you get injured again, and you're you're trying to convince yourself that you're a player, the coach has to see that and work with him, you know, because there's yeah. there's I, I understand there's a level of frustration. It's like I was all SEC, man. Yeah. Okay, well, then tell me exactly what I'm not doing right so that I can do it right. And then give me a fair shot if I'm working my way back. I mean, that that should be the relationship. Yeah. I get yeah. It. it. It's not ideal. It's not perfect. But, yeah, I I, I don't know. That Some coaches a- are just old school. Like Greg Popovich – that's why he always says you better check your ego before you touch down in San Antonio because we don't deal with that shit. Like, we're not going to coddle you. If we're winning and you're not getting any playing time and you're bitching about it, we're just going to let you go and trade you and you can find a different home and find a different franchise that will put up with that shit. Because, again, some coaches, they don't, they, they don't even understand. I hear exactly what you're saying, Chef, especially with this new age of, kid, like, young adults. Like, it's just a different era. Like, this era, these kids, some of them need to be coddled. They, they just, sometimes you need to wrap your arm around them and ask them how mama's doing and how their girlfriend's doing and, you know, invite them over for dinner personally. Like, there's certain guys you have to do that with. And, yeah, you're, you're right. Jalen Catalan, you could go through dark times when you get hurt again because in his mind, he's probably thinking, damn, this is happening again. Like, this is just a problem with me. Like, what's going on? You could get in a real mental dark place where you're just, you know. And he hasn't been around these guys. He came in yeah. as a as a transfer, so he doesn't have the deep, you know, connection. But, I mean, they did the Culture Wednesdays stuff. That team is closer than most. But, yeah. And I, I think back to the safety position in year one, that was the position that had all the – Guys who were quitting. Yeah. DJ Foster. Oh, he he quit so hard in that Kansas State game. They ain't even let him back on the field in the second right. half. And, you know, why was that guy on the field all the time? Five-star talent coming out of East Texas. Yeah, but he was cancer. He was big time. I yeah. thought he really negatively affected Jaron Thompson. 
Um, cause I thought Jaron sort of took the form of the water of the glass that he was in. And if BJ Foster was out there given half effort, it seemed like, you know, it seemed like Jaron's level of confidence or effort would go depending on how the game was going. Yeah. Um, cooler who played hard, just wasn't very good. <laughs> who was that? Brandon Schooler. Yeah, Brandon Schooler. I mean, they're having to move receivers to safety. Like, Michael Griffin, I'll never forget how mad he was. He's like, what the hell's going on around here? Are we not recruiting any bleeping safeties? Like, they're moving Anthony Cook. He used to be a corner. Now he's a no, safety. Griff has some room to talk. He wasn't really even a safety in high school. I he know. was just so damn talented. They had him at like outside linebacker at times, and he wouldn't even play that many snaps defensively because he was the running back on offense. Marcus Griffin, he was the safety. They had like an old school, what, 4-4-3 that um, Coach Cox and Coach Abels used to play at Bowie, and Marcus played that safety spot but yeah mike he was just such where's a your athlete. marcus griffin jersey i don't know i need that i need that marcus griffin 26 jersey yo i forgot that marcus forced the fumble on adrian peterson at red river i forgot about that i saw that clip not too long ago man marcus was a dog man. i think marcus had a good game at baylor too oh yeah yeah the pick six versus baylor yeah 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 and they would always clown him on being slow. That was kind of the joke and with the secondary back then because he was the slowest one, and he had the pick six. And I want to say he clocked in at almost 20 miles per hour, if not over 20 miles on that pick six, and he had something to say about it. But, yo, I, I'll never forget, Chip. It was 2002, Bowie versus Westwood. Marcus might have had the hardest hit. Like, if this was today's game, Marcus might be suspended for, like, the whole season. The dude had one of the hardest hits on the sideline, a receiver who jumped in the air and caught it, and Marcus laid him out into the, uh, what's the what do they call the first down pole, whatever the hell it is. Oh, what into that, that first down marker? Yeah, first down marker, and the dude was out cold. Ambulance had to come in and stuff. It was, yo... I remember being on the sideline with my pops because we were on the field back in the day. And this is what 11 year old Zay, that shit blew my mind. That's that was one of those ones was like, I don't know if I want to play this game. That, that, that was one of those moments. Let me go work on my jumper. Yo, me and my dad, we talk about that hit to this day. That happened 20 something years ago. That's still one of the hardest hits I've ever seen. In my and that was Marcus. Life. That was Marcus. And then he went and played quarterback on, you know, on offense. The dude, again, Market, Michael gets all the love because he was the pro bowler and he had the interception in the game. Marcus was cold, man. Marcus was cold. Like, he's, yeah, he deserves way more love, man. For sure. Well, he's going to get it right here on Chip and Zay, baby. That's for sure. Yeah, I need my Marcus Griffin. Either my Marcus Griffin Texas jersey or Marcus Griffin Bowie High School jersey. Number 10. I'll take either or. I'll take either or. Well, ask Michael to get it for you for Christmas. I ain't asking him. You know he ain't going to give me shit. Come on. He ain't hey, you know who will day. give you great service? Apple leasing. Apple leasing. Get into the car you really want to be driving, and you're going to lease any maker model of car. They don't care 
what car you pick, and that's where the magic happens because they're not going to hassle you. They're not going to put boxing gloves on and annoy you. They're going to just make sure that you're getting exactly the car you want because you're going to pick it. And you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car because you're only paying for the car while you're driving it. And that means you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford, and it's brand new. So whether you want to keep your payments in the $400 range or get a Range Rover, uh, Apple Leasing can take care of you. The easy lease. Give them a call, 346-9977, AppleLeasing.com. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. Um, audiovisual consultations. Our man, Tom McKay. Uh, making sure that you have the big screen of your dreams this Christmas season. So um, give him a call, 255-8678. Get you the, he'll bring it all to you. So don't don't even think about it. You just call that 255-8678. Going to bring you the best price on big screen, surround sound, surveillance, electronic shades, new lighting, avconsultations.com. And great blue hair and furniture. Great Blue Hair and Furniture. I mean, this is high-end furniture, kids. Go to greatblueharandfurniture.com. Check it out. See how incredible it is. And then realize that, uh, A, it's built for a lifetime. And, B, we have a promo code. Hook them to get you 15% off your purchase. That'll come in handy. Um, And Brain Vault. Brain Vault. The mouth guard proven, patented to protect your uh, competitors from the effects of concussion. BrainVault.com. If you're the team manager or team mom, they do group fittings. And it is the uh, mouth guard of choice for Bijan Robinson and others. It should be yours. BrainVault.com. All right, Zay. We're, uh, I got one other note of uh, Texas football that I want to bounce by you. And that is the uh, Steve Sarkeesian. We haven't really talked about the job he's done this year. There were fans who thought, what the hell is Texas doing? Hiring Steve Sarkeesian. And Steve Sarkeesian had a plan. And within three years, he's got a Big 12 title in hand. This guy's changing perceptions. And now his staff's getting picked apart, just like his buddy, his buddies, Nick Saban and Pete Carroll from back in the day. When you start winning, your coaching staff starts getting picked apart, Zay. Yep, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. How are you feeling about Steve Sarkeesian these days? Feeling good about him, really good. You know, the dudes had a process when he took the job. You know, definitely always mention that statement that he makes when he refers to the conversation that he had with his mentor and friend Pete Carroll when he got the job about – Hey, you can either do things the same 
and have the basically the same results when you get in, or you could change things up a bit to where they understand your philosophy and how you do things your way and then get the results later. And that's been absolutely true with the Horns having the chance to play for a national championship if they win against Washington. So, yeah, just it's a process when you take over a job like Texas with where they were with Tom Herman, even though Tom Herman was winning nine games a season and always going to bowl games, that's still not the standard. You got to be able to almost play for New Year's six bowls every year and play for conference championships almost every year. And that just wasn't it. So the fact that you win the big 12 on your way out and you got guys that have bought in that were here with the previous coach like JT Sanders and Jalen Ford and the Jordan Witted tens of the world and they have been leaders with uh, that's been a big part of your transition of being the head coach here at texas so again with everything that sarks overcame with his personal life and stuff being that southern cow being that u-dub and just all the things that he had to do in between there from the falcons and being an analyst with nick saban to now you could see the growth and just the maturity in his voice and understanding that man can't take life for granted and I think he's made the most of his opportunity here at Texas and again this they got the right guy you know Charlie Strong was a mess we know what happened with that (laughs) Tom Herman was a mess now you seem like you got your guy from recruiting to the development of the players when they get here from year to year to keeping the main guys here because they buy into the culture and the process. And yeah, now you're getting the results out of it. So it's been fun to watch. And you well, he's got, he's got, he, he's at a place in his life where he was ready to get into the glare, to get into the, be the ant under the magnifying glass. And, you know, this place will eat you alive if you don't know who you are or if you don't have a plan. You're trying to figure it out on the fly. This place will destroy you. It destroyed Shaka. And Shaka's a good coach, but Shaka came in. He was trying to recruit seven-footers for the first time and all that was required of doing that. Um, Steve Sarkeesian... He'd been at USC with Pete Carroll. He'd been at Atlanta with Dan Quinn and then Alabama with Nick Saban coming off a national championship. So, but I think what has impressed me the most, we know the dude knows offense, but it's, it's been his connection to the players, his willingness to be vulnerable with them, to get them to be vulnerable with each other and build a team, build a team that is not going to fold and not do less with more and be entitled and blah, 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 all the other country club stuff. I used to say Mac Brown should have had to give 50,000 to his favorite charity. Every time he said the word physical, because <laughs> his teams weren't physical, you know, but until, until that, 2002 class that won the national championship in 05. Cause even after that, that, that team in 09 wasn't, well, they were on defense. They were on defense. That was, those were must champs 
works of art in 2008 and 2009, man. Mm-hmm. Those defenses were fun to watch. Yeah, think about how many times Muschamp got opportunities to be a head coach. Yeah. Due to those really good defenses and stuff. Yep. Yeah, remember when Sergio Kindle fell down the stairs? and <laughs> so Trying to... Trying to sneak out of a girl's apartment. Oh like, my gosh, man. That's so legendary. Just well, why was he trying to sneak out? Why couldn't he go out the front door? Right. Or well, well who was chasing? Did he not him? know where the stairs are? Did did the did the girl have a boo that was chasing him with a pistol or something? No, or, I don't okay, I, I don't know. Because there's what was I heard he just didn't turn on house? the light. Okay. Now, I've also heard he had narcolepsy, oh, that he would sleepwalk. Damn. So I don't know. That that was a bad scene because that was a bad man. Yeah. Remember when he tacked, when he sacked Taylor Potts of Tech and his helmet went like 10 feet in the air? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those defenses were nasty. Yeah. You know, going back to Sark being relatable and stuff, don't think that L'Oreal, his wife, doesn't play a huge part of the recruiting process. Cause as Bucky Gobble always says, when it comes to recruiting, you got to convince mama that her son is okay leaving the nest and being in the responsibility of whoever that coach is. And when you see L'Oreal, which I know we don't like talking race and stuff, but a sister and a lot of these mamas of the kids that you recruit are sisters and they see that, and you look at Sark, you're like, oh, this guy, he gets it. He, he'll be able, because Sark's talked about, you know, his first year here and all the stuff was going on with, you know, just racial injustice and stuff. And George Floyd and, and Sark had to relate to these guys and understand them and stuff. You can't tell me that L'Oreal wasn't a big part of that. And just, you know, again, when you're a parent and you see you want your son going off with their coach and want them to feel comfortable, like that's a big deal. You might not oh, think yeah. it is like that. That's a huge deal. And you look at Sark, you're like, okay, this white dude married to a sister that looks like this, that carries herself in this way, like I like I every like player on the team is like flirting with her. <laughs> No, they're not. She's like the mama to the Claire's, man. They ain't flirting with her. Oh, they What's may come over and you? give her a hug. Yeah, because she's looking... like mama bear. Like, that's what it is. Have she's you like seen those auntie. little tank tops she wears? She looks good. She can't help herself. What you I know. I'm, I'm just saying. They're normal red-blooded men. I mean, they're running up for her. Hey, I got to get my hug. <laughs> I gotta get my pregame hug. Hey, Lori, yeah. Yeah. Hey, whatever it takes. And then you look to see if you made the cut in her Instagram video. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. She put my hug in there. Yo, hey, because she might have some friends and stuff. Come on now. Jeff Banks, too. Shit. Paul. Assassin. Oh, assassin. Hey, coach. What's up? She's great. You come to recruit. What's up? We're going out. What's what's going on? I'm trying to have dinner at your house. Who your wife bringing? What's up? What's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't saying go Tom Herbin, Urban Meyer, but hey. 
now I got you going down a Us Magazine <laughs> rabbit hole. I mean, she might have some friends. You know what I'm saying? She might have some friends. Hey, come on. She might have some friends. Hey, L'Oreal, you got any friends? That's what I'm saying. Ain't nothing wrong with an older woman. Nothing hey, wrong man, with that. Life. You in college, you get an older Mrs. woman. Mrs. Robinson. 31, 32. Been oh, through yeah. some things. Maybe 35, 34. Got a nice job working in the medical field. Got about two or three degrees. That changed your life as a young man. What's Darren saying? I thought Sark was Armenian. I think yeah. he is. That's all right. It's all good. Yeah, because I think Trey Ellings also Armenian, and Sark always or Trey always talks about him Sark and the Kardashians representing the Armenian folk, which yes. they're a lot darker than you are, Trey. So you might have to go get that. Trey is pale talking. as F. <laughs> He's clear pale. Like, like, don't let him go out in the sun. Do not. Yeah. Put some zinc. Put some zinc oxide on that man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Before he gets out and gets his vitamin D. Um, all right. It's time for the chip shot. Zay, I got I got some I got something for you. You're gonna like this. You ready? What I say during this show about what the what Texas is looking for in the transfer portal. Uh safeties, defensive tackles, edge rushers. Okay. Well, our man, Jordan Scruggs, who you hear with Jeff Howe, right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Scrizzle. On there. It's only an hour show. Great show, by the way. Great show. My man, Jordan Scruggs, has just put in a crystal ball prediction. Uh-oh. In favor of the Texas Longhorns. To land UTSA edge transfer Trey Moore. Okay. As a redshirt sophomore, Trey Moore had 14 sacks, 17 and a half tackles for loss, and 45 total tackles, four pass breakups, one forced fumble, and one interception. This dude started all 14 of UTSA's games and, heck, last year he had eight sacks. This dude is consistent. He's productive. Um, I'm just saying. He, uh, 6'3", 235. And he sounds athletic enough to where they can play him anywhere. But, man, he's got 14 sacks. I need him on the edge. Yeah. And there's always going to be that thought of, you know, coming from, what is that, Conference USA that they're in? Or are they in the AAC? American. American. Yeah, American League to the SEC. That's a big jump now. So, you know, I mean... You want to wish the best, but yeah, those are some good stats. UTSA, San Antonio kid. So you know they're getting coached. Home. Yeah, yeah, he got coached well. Jeff Trailer does a great job there. This is what Trailer hates too. 
Like yeah, trailers. This why, this. Yeah, this is why he needs to go to a. This is why he needs P5 to go because quick or P four since there's no more Pac twelve. That's going to be weird to say, but a Power Four conference. I mean, well, hell, even P three because we know we don't count the ACC as a power conference. Obviously, not putting Florida State and the CFP. So a P3 yeah, let's start calling them the P three. Yeah, P three. Damn it, uh, ACC. But, you don't even matter. <laughs> yeah. So I hey, you look, fourteen sacks in a year. This kid's. Got a motor. He's getting after it. I like it. Yeah, that's good work, man. All right, that's so SD work, says trailer at Baylor. Maybe. I mean. Damn, we're giving up on Dave Aranda just like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, does he have yeah. to cut somebody out and yell? For y'all to know that he could do a Dude, good he's job? replaced his coordinators like every freaking year. Yeah. F those dudes. They ain't, they ain't buying in, you know? He, like, he pulled off a minor miracle when he went, when he went hired Jeff Grimes from BYU. They couldn't run a lick. They averaged, like, less than three yards a carry. And then he brings in Jeff Grimes. They win the freaking Big 12. Yeah. Two years ago. 21. Yeah. Dave Aranda... He probably has one year left, one more year to do something with the new Big 12 and Utah, Colorado, and the Arizona teams coming in. Like, he has to have a— Baylor or Arkansas? Better job or— Well— What are you asking? Those guys are both on, like, double-secret probation. Oh, I don't know how Pivot didn't get fired this year. Right. Those guys are like, you get one more year. Yeah, I— if trailer, those are jobs that trailer would absolutely take. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good gig. Yeah. Arkansas, maybe if Pittman beats Texas this year coming up, if Texas get into a CFP, if he could beat Texas and steal a couple more games and get to a bowl, then maybe. But even then, that'd be tough for him. Like, yeah. Texas has to play at Fayetteville and at College Station. Holy shit. <laughs> At Michigan. Yeah, that's why, like, I've been bracing this year so right. much. Like, that's why we talked about how important it was for the Horns to make it this year. Because next year, damn. <laughs> like, damn. That's... It, could, it could go any which away. Yeah. 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 So... And people are saying, I'm glad he didn't go to a and I, if I'm, Yeah. Me too. Even though that I think dude would have been perfect there because yeah. of his East Texas roots, and A and M used to dominate East Texas. In fact, that's when A and M was great. That was when they were the wrecking crew. That's when they were getting Aaron Glenn and Kevin Smith and every cornerback, every one wanted. A and M was corner you, and Aaron linebacker you, and Sam Adams you. Like they dominated in the in the eighties, yeah. Dominated to the mid nineties, and then James Brown flipped it. James Brown went down there and said, "Yeah, this has got to come to an end here. Yeah. This thirty-one game home winning streak y'all got." Yeah, on my busted ankle too. Yeah, freaking Dad wins. No neck ass. 
That dude. Yeah, they had some guys, man. I'll give them that. Oh. They had some- Quentin <laughs> Coriat. That dude, he had some. He had such savage hits. People were like out cold, like Marcus <laughs> Griffin. Marcus Griffin shots. Yeah, he laid out some dude from SMU. I don't think that guy ever got up. Damn. Yeah, AM was a monster. Yeah. By the way, I don't think AM's gonna get Avery Johnson because. Kansas State just put out a video for him basically saying he's coming back. They're going to run it back with him. So Colin Klein, you would think maybe he would go to A&M because that would fit what Colin Klein likes to do, now offensive coordinator there at College Station. But looks like Avery Stan in Manhattan. I bet, oh, that was a, I bet that was a deal between Kleinman and Klein. Like, you're not taking this dude. You can have Will Howard. You can have Will Howard. You ain't taking Avery. You ain't taking Sunshine. Well, Avery's a Kansas native, so right. That's Sunshine uh, needs like, to stay right there in the plains. Yeah, yeah, that's home for him. So that's yeah. That's now I, I never thought about Will Howard to A and M. That's interesting. I don't think Will Howard wants to do any type of battling with Connor Wegman. I think he's tired of that shit. But. Yeah. Yeah, that just because Colin Klein's personnel would fit Will Howard more than Connor Wegman, even though I think Wegman's the better quarterback in the long run. I agree. That's that'd be interesting, but yeah, with Will Howard, AJ Martinez, you're battling with him in 2022, and then y'all bring this freshman along and Avery Johnson. Now I got a battle with him. Like Will Howard, he wants to go to where the backup quarterback is trashed. Like he ain't got to worry about. I could throw three interceptions, and you ain't gonna bitch me because that guy behind me can't get it done. That's what Will Howard wants at this point of his career, and I feel him. You know, I get it. Well. I see SD says Klein's going to get his quarterback killed in the SEC. I mean, that's that's the system he was in. Yeah. Like, Colin Klein was the ultimate crash test dummy. That's when I nicknamed Kansas State's offense the crash test dummy offense because Bill Snyder would run Colin Klein over and over and <laughs> over, and he'd get hit over and over and over because he's going right between the tackles and Bill Snyder would find a, a matchup that he thought he could exploit and he'd line up two fullbacks right behind the offensive lineman where that weak sucker was where he thought he had a advantage and they would just triple team that dude and move the piles kind of a tush push I mean Snyder was he would find your weakness and he would exploit it and he would do it with his crash test dummy quarterback run game. Remember when they ran it right down Texas's throat and it was time. Yeah. It was like 31 to something. And K state only attempted two passes in the game. Good Lord. And I think it was a must champ defense. I think it was 2010. Now that I think about it, wow, it was that awful season. And it looked like K-State was just out there working on stuff. (laughs) Like 
Texas did not want to tackle that that dude that night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was Yeah, Colin Klein's a tough SOB, man. I voted for I him. I mean, that Dak Prescott was running all the time in the SEC. We see Jalen Milrow running stuff like that. So you could survive, just not the style that Colin Klein was accustomed to when he was playing quarterback at Kansas State. But yeah, there's a way you could have a dual threat quarterback and be successful. Yeah, it was. It was 2010. K-State won 39-14, to 14, and Colin Klein attempted four passes. Wow. Colin Klein ran 25 times for 151 yards and two touchdowns. Physical. Yeah. You want to use the word physical, Mac? Physical. Yep. <laughs> oh, and that was the game where Garrett Gilbert – was 32 of 59 with five interceptions. Good God. Wow. That was the beginning of the end. Yeah. I mean, that was the beginning of the end. What's he supposed right, to do? So, He's playing a completely different offense than he thought he was going to play when he committed. So, Oh, yeah. I can't no, blame I don't blame him. He went off to SMU and ended up going to the Patriots and getting a Super Bowl ring. Yep. All right, let's get to the right call with Zay Collier. Yes, sir. Before we get to the right call, shout out to Covert BK, the Covert Auto Group, family-owned automotive dealerships that's been serving the greater Austin area for over 100 years. So, yeah, man, during the Kennedy days, they were serving the greater Austin area. During the, you know, what... I'm losing track of the Bush early first Bush one days. They were serving the greater Austin area. Like, hey, been doing it for a long ass time. You guys been driving around in those buckets. Stop it. That check engine light, it ain't going to change unless if you get a change. And that's going to Covert BK and getting a new or pre-owned vehicle with high-quality selection of both of those. The customer satisfaction is grade A, and they got seven terrific brands to choose from in Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Chrysler, Cadillac, GMC, and Buick. Covert BK will hold you down. If you want to see all the latest specials and inventory, go to CovertBK.com. Nobody beats a Covert deal not now not ever all right ship the right call today previewing the nba first year in season tournament final four starts tonight they are in vegas the first matchup which is a little bit early it's like it's 4 p.m i see i don't know if that's 4 p.m eastern or 4 p.m central i don't know but a lot sooner than you think for the first game with the Indiana Pacers and the Bucks, And then after that, you get the New Orleans Pelicans and the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, again, I mentioned it earlier this week, Adam Silver. Four o'clock Central. Four o'clock Central. Okay, so that's pretty early. I don't know why it's that early or whatever, but yeah, Pacers um, versus the Bucks. Again, Adam Silver, he's done a hell of a job making this in-season tournament. A lot of guys, Kevin Durant just mentioned, you know, when they lost in the final or the Elite Eight against the Lakers, how he didn't really think much of it when it was first announced. But now that they've 
playing in games. He loves it. The competition's up. The fact that these teams have a chance to win money. Like, you already get 100000 by just making it to the Final Four. You get to the championship game and lose 200000 You win the championship, everybody gets 500000 So, again, there's a lot of guys on this squad that aren't making LeBron James money, that aren't making that max deal money, that are on two, you know, two-way contracts, that are 10-day contracts. Like, this is big for some of these guys. So, to so I get a I get a hundred thousand for making it. I get yeah. I get to the semifinals, and I lose. I get two hundred thousand. Now you get to the finals and lose. You get two hundred thousand. Okay. Yeah. So if you win the whole thing, yeah, five hundred thousand. Pretty good coin, you know. So yeah, yeah. Like I, I just the NBA during this time of the year usually is so weak. And everybody's just trying to save their legs for the playoffs because, you know, we've made the playoffs just the media has made the playoffs the ultimate goal because that's where we hold these guys accountable when it comes to their legacies and stuff. And I understand it, but the NBA could be watered down. It's not now. The guys are playing hard. I think both games tonight are going to be fun and, and exciting. You look at the Pacers versus the Bucks. Indiana playing some great basketball now, led by former Iowa State Cyclone Tyrese Halliburton having his breakout season, 26 points, 11 assists. He reminds me of Jay Kidd when Jay Kidd was in his prime in those early days for New Jersey. He just kind of plays an unorthodox style of ball. He has a weird release, but it's money from three-point land. There's only been three Turner. Miles Turner, yeah, he's still kicking it along. He's a solid big man in the league. You know, he's making twenty point nine million this season. Yo, Miles, he's the perfect NBA center. Like he could shoot the three, he blocks shots, he's a solid, you know, pick and roll guy. He'll obviously pick and pop. Miles Turner, especially somebody like Tyrese Halliburton, yeah, he could really go. So. Buddy Hill's a good addition for them. They, they got a good squad. I like watching them play. They're a fun watch, and they play really hard, even though they're young. And the B- Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis still doing his thing. Dame Willard, he's finally starting to figure out, you know, how to play with Giannis and stuff. And he's not averaging what he normally averaged back in Portland, but you would think that he wouldn't come into the Bucks anyway because it's going to be Giannis's team. Like Dame Willard, he's never been the second best player on the team. Maybe his first couple of years when LaMarcus was there, but throughout his most of his career, he's been the number one option. So it takes a guy a little bit of time to get acclimated to becoming the number two option. Chris Middleton, the Aggie alum, he's starting to get more and more healthy game by game, and they're as good as Chris Middleton takes them. If he could be that number three guy and orchestrate the pick and roll and get off shots in the mid-range and knock down jumpers when the shot clock's going down like he did in the 2021 championship season when they had Drew Holiday and beat the Suns, then they could get back to the finals. So, yeah, the first game's going to be good. Second game, Pelicans and the Lakers. The Pelicans, a lot like the Bucks. Zion Williamson's kind of in that Chris Middleton era where if he's healthy and he's able to go, then this team's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Zion right now averaging 22 a game. Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum are both averaging over 20. That big three, 
They're tough, man. I love Brandon Ingram. The dude's kind of like a baby Durant. They just kind of have the same body type. And both of those guys have great ball handling skills around that 6'10", you know, height size. They can get their shot off on anybody. But, you know, KD, he's just a different animal that Brandon Ingram kind of still getting to that point. Nobody will ever be KD. But if you're a KD light, ain't nothing wrong with that. Zion has to stay healthy. He looks good right now. But it's earlier in the season. Call me when it's around 70 games. Let's see how his knees are there. And the Lakers, man, LeBron James, year 21, still doing what he's doing. It's ridiculous. Like averaging 24.7, you know, like the dude still getting triple doubles. Jackson Hayes. Yeah, Jackson Hayes. I think he should play more, but. I mean, you got Anthony Davis there. It's hard to get your minutes, but Jackson Hayes and LeBron, they got a decent chemistry in the pick and roll. Um, The Lakers, they just, they're not going to be anything once playoff times come. You know, they're a fun team right now, but LeBron just, he has too many miles on him. Like right now it's good because it's early in the season, but God forbid he gets hurt. That's kind of what we've seen these last few years with him and what's kind of set the Lakers back. He had that ankle injury last year in the playoffs and they end up getting swept by the Nuggets and LeBron was still good even with that ankle injury, but just those teams at the top right now. years. 20 years, man. 20 years. Yeah. And he's still playing every position on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, watching them against KD and the Suns the other night, it was pretty remarkable just – when he goes out the game, the team looks horrible. He comes back in, the team's in sync. Like, he's still getting to his spots. He's still finding guys. He's able to adapt due to his age, even though he's, you know, not that same LeBron that he was when he was with D. Wade and Chris Bosh. But he still gets it done because he's so damn smart, man. He just kind of manipulates the game and manipulates your defense. So fun games tonight. I'm excited. Looking forward to it. And again, shout out to Adam Silver. Did a hell of a job of making this in-season tournament actually relevant to the NBA in this early part of December because usually during this time, it's not. So, yeah, I could definitely appreciate that. And the fact that it's in Vegas, too, that's also genius because, come on, who doesn't love Vegas? I mean, you got money? Shit. Yeah, you, you, Shit. Could, you could do some things in Vegas when you got money. Oh, Tiger used to. Oh, never mind. We know, Tiger Woods? Oh, yeah. Did you ever read that biography? I saw the HBO special when they talked about his pop's taking these hoes back to the Winnebago and stuff, doing the nasty. Yeah, Earl yeah. was Earl was loving being Tiger's pops. Earl was a mess, but my God. I feel him. He was out. Papa was a rolling stone, let's put it that way. Hey, I mean, I feel I mean, I don't feel him cheating. Because I know Tiger's mama, she was just kind of oh. watching in the background. So I, that's pretty foul. But, you know, that dude Earl. <laughs> oh, Tiger. He had his, he had his Vegas girls. Mm-hmm. Yo, I blame Jordan. That's Michael Jordan's fault. Because I want to say... 
in the early. I gotta hear early, this. Oh, the late nineties when Tiger was becoming a big young star. superstar. Yeah, young superstar, early twenties. You know. Oh, Jordan. Like, yeah, you're right. Jordan is the one who showed him the showed Vegas him the ropes. Hookers. Show them how things go down when these hoes would come to Tiger and be like, yo, what's up? And Tiger wouldn't know what to do. And then he would ask Jordan, he'd be like, man, Mike, I'm, all these women are throwing themselves at me. Like, what do you do? And MJ looked at him, cigar smoke going out and shit, and said, yo. You say you're Tiger Woods. You say you Tiger Woods, bruh. I've been doing that for years. And Tiger was probably like, what about Juanita? And Jordan was like, Juanita who? <laughs> oh lord have mercy Juanita we're all going to hell on a first class ticket yo Juanita who Jordan said yo Juanita she gonna get her money I'm gonna have a good time I, yo I shot way too many jumpers behind the scenes for me to give it up now the fruits of my labor come on man shit I'm Jordan. You Tiger I'm enjoy Woods. being Michael Jordan. Yeah, man. You enjoy being Tiger Woods. I'm I can't Tiger. believe you haven't seen the movie Air. Oh, I gotta see it. It's again. You don't listen to me. I like, do listen to you. It's just I try like, to give you some homework assignments that are fun. When I go to it and I see freaking Matt Damon playing Sonny. Just get Carl, over that. Now, how can you get over that again? When we have a Texas Sports Unfiltered biopic of us and Michael B. Jordan plays me, and then we realize nobody's watching it because people are saying, damn, Zay looks nothing like Michael B. Jordan, and you got Ryan Reynolds playing you, nobody's going to want to watch that either. It's oh, my God. You are flick. so overthinking this. Just I watch the I damn am. movie. That's not a good flick. I'm just saying. Oh, you already no. know it's no good? Uh, no, I'm... <laughs> I'm just basing it off that. We got who, what, Ben Affleck is, Phil Knight. Phil Knight's an ugly mother. Shut your mouth. We got him being played by the Southie. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck? Come but ben on, Affleck's man. all, he, they, they made him up and made him weird looking. I can't do it. I, I can't. I can't do it. Like, okay, well then. I, I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Some like you. We're in the midst of the football season. There's a lot of sports going on right now. Like I have to really be locked in. Like that's a summer flick. In the summer, I'm all over it. I'm listening to you. I'm doing my homework. I hear you, Chip. I hear you. You don't have two hours in a day. Oh, like in the morning. Like in the. Oh. Like when you can't sleep to watch air. Yeah, like. Viola Davis playing. Oh my God. To watch air. The defining movie of Nike taking over basketball. The defining movie of the shoe companies taking over basketball. That's yeah. what that, you're like to watch air. I mean, it's a good this story. Is the story of the shoe companies taking over basketball. Again, on paper, it sounds amazing. But when I look at Sonny Vaccaro and I see Matt Damon, it's not adding up for me. It's just, 
How it's much you not, pay attention to the story and you can't get over the actors. You know what? You know who's playing Bucky Gobble on the Texas we just Sports chased Unfiltered off KD. Bio? We, we got Denzel Washington playing Bucky Gobble on the uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered biopic. How about that? Just anybody could play. I know. Anybody, I know. Huh? You're, yeah, it's I want to be played by Ryan Reynolds. I already told yeah. you that. We got Trey Allen being played by Ryan Gosling. Like, that's, that's what we're doing. Trey Elling is being played by Ryan Gosling? By Ryan Gosling. That's Rack a pretty Kellner good deal for him. played by uh, Dave Franco. Trey, did Ooh. you go out in the sun? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Uh, no, I just took the dark jacket off that I was wearing, so I look less You look like you got some color. Yeah, I don't know. I, I may I may have skin cancer or something. Yeah, we worry about you because you're pale. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I took the dark jacket off. That helps. Wearing, I think I know what I'm going to get you for Christmas. What's that? I'm going to get you some zinc oxide for Christmas. <laughs> Unscreen? Yeah. Dude, I've got enough of that. I need color. Oh. Yeah, Trey, why don't you have that, like, darker tan like your Armenian folks and the Kardashians and Steve Sarkis? Because he's the rarest of rare. He's like the, he's the Egyptian sun king. He's the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, like, anomaly. It's true. And I'll tell you, Zay, I lucked out in at least one circumstance with the Armenian heritage. I It doesn't look like I'm wearing a sweater when I'm shirtless. So I'm not <laughs> extremely hairy. But perhaps the downside of that is I don't have that olive complexion. I got the fucking Nordic skin tone from uh, from my grandmother's side. Yeah, you look like Sven Nordgren, the great speed skater of Finland. Oh, my, my people went to genocide <laughs> in the early 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, God. All right, we chased KD away. Thank yeah. God he came back. I no, thought... no, I had my water here and I spilled it. So, oh. um, mm. yeah. Off to a really good start. So I haven't seen air either. And Chip, I've heard it's great. And for me as a Bulls guy, like, it's crazy I haven't. But um, I need to chase that down, dude. Because I heard it was great. Yeah, I'm more into the history. Right. Like, this was the moment. Like, there, this movie is the moment that, that the shoe companies took over basketball. And Yeah. It is a fa- it's fascinating to see how Jordan's family played it, too. Because Mama right. deserves all the credit. All yeah, he, the credit. He, did, he didn't want to take the meeting, right? No, he did not at all. No, he was all Crazy. Adidas all the time. Mm. And uh, Mama Jordan changed everything. One so of the best. One of the highlights, one of the highlights from my broadcasting career, guys, was getting to cover the air red carpet at South by Southwest back in March. Talk to Affleck, Damon, Chris Tucker, which is really cool. Like yeah. I'm really sleeping on Chris Tucker. I don't know if it's just the it's it's been so long since he ha- has done something good that people just didn't care or whatever. Like Chris Tucker is fascinating. If I could have like extended time with one person on that carpet, it would have been him. And one of the few times I found myself nervous interviewing somebody, and Chip, you've obviously talked to a lot of people too. I'm curious to hear your answer on this. Jason Bateman, 
I kind of freaked out because he is, I don't know, maybe the top smartass on the planet right now on top of doing a bunch of stuff that I've enjoyed over time. Ozark, Arrested Development. Um, but uh, yeah, I wish I had a redo with him because I, I was feeling the nerves at that point in time. That's an awesome red carpet. Yeah. yeah was, that, it was it's, a surprise, that, too. It wasn't announced until a couple of days before. It was wild. I believe that. Yeah, it's it's a great cast. And so, Zay, just focus on the history. Don't get caught up in Ben Affleck and Matt Damon playing fat, weird white guys. All right. I'll try. Ben Affleck is at Sunny. I mean, come on. Or, or, or enjoy it for the unintentional comedy that it was intended to be. Like those guys were trying to ham it up in those roles. So, so be be amused by that. Got All right. Well, I'm just saying when we have a Texas sports unfiltered biopic and Bucky Gobbles being played by Denzel Washington, I hope people watch that too. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> That's I know what they I, said that Ryan Reynolds that? That's would play me. Thing. That's the same thing with. Sonny being played by Ben Affleck or Matt Damon or whatever. That's oh my the God. Same thing. Get over it. <laughs> Just watch air. Oh, yeah. yeah. One night when you can't sleep. Come on. All right. All right. You fellas hey, wait, have a great show. Plays me. See you guys. Bye, guys. Love y'all. <laughs>